The Zodiac Killer is a well-known name. There is so much mystery and talk surrounding the Zodiac Killer and his letters. It's a wonder how it took us so long to even crack the code on some of those letters. But even though we've now cracked this code, and they now have a name they believe is the killer's, this case still remains open and unsolved. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to hear from everybody again. I'm so excited to talk about episode two of The Zodiac Killer. I don't think I have any updates at all. I know we just talked on Friday, so everything's basically the same. So that just allows us to jump right into today's case. A quick recap on last time, you know, some of these murders started happening. They were not sure what was going on or who was involved for a while. They did seem like they were very similar, and they did end up linking them together. They knew that the same person that was doing these killings were doing all of these killings. Then, some phone calls would be made and some letters would be sent out to police and to newspapers, and this is when they would officially get a name for the man who was responsible for these murders. This man would refer to himself as the Zodiac Killer. Like we said at the beginning of last time, the Zodiac Killer is still considered an unsolved case. Now we do have a name, at least some people do, that they believe was the Zodiac Killer. We'll get into him a little bit more later. That's basically where last time we left off. We left off with some stabbings that happened and some of the people that fell to the Zodiac Killer did end up surviving. In the last attack we talked about, like I said, it was a stabbing. Now that was very different from what the Zodiac Killer normally does. Normally he would park next to couples in popular couple spots and would shoot and kill them. In this case though, he approached two people that were having a picnic one day and then proceeded to lie to them and tell them that he was an escaped prisoner and that he had just killed a couple cops and he needed a car to continue to flee. Now he also basically informed them that he was robbing them and was going to take their car and that they needed to do whatever he said. And they did. The woman would tie up the man and then when the Zodiac Killer would go and check these ties, he would discover that the woman had tied him fairly loosely and the Zodiac would tighten these knots and then would tie up the woman as well. After they were tied up, these two people assumed the Zodiac was going to rob them and take their vehicle and leave them there. They were wrong though because the Zodiac Killer was lying to them and he proceeded to stab them. Once he stabbed them, he hiked up to their car and left some vandalism on their car. We talked about that last time and then left. Now, two people that were fishing actually heard yelling and screaming. And upon further investigation, they found both of the people tied up. They were both alive at the time. They, of course, called the police, and when the authorities arrived, as well as the ambulances and people like that, they would begin to question these two while they cleaned them up and transported them. 
the woman was able to give basically a full description as well as the man and they would load them up and take them to the hospital. Unfortunately, the woman whose name was Cecilia would fall into a coma at the hospital and succumb to her wounds just two days after the attack. The man that was with her though, whose name was actually Brian, would end up surviving the attack entirely and he would begin to assist the authorities in any way that he could, talking to them in depth about what happened and after the description of this man, they were able to link it back to the Zodiac Killer. But they still got nowhere. They literally had another alive victim who could very clearly remember what happened, but only two weeks after the stabbing, like we said last time, the Zodiac Killer would strike again. And I know that's just like a really quick and brief recap, but with the Zodiac Killer and a lot of the information in his case, if we spend too much time on the recap, we're going to be here for another 30 minutes. So if you haven't heard the first episode, go listen to that for all of those details in full. Otherwise, we're just going to jump right into that next attack that happened two weeks after the stabbing. On October 11th, 1969, an unknown man would enter a cab one morning. He would give directions to this cab driver and they would begin to drive away. They would only get about a block from the starting point when this unknown man in the back seat would hold a gun to the cab driver's head and end up shooting him in the head. Once this cab driver was shot and dead, this unknown man would begin to rob him, taking his money, his keys, his wallet, everything, and then he would proceed to wipe the entire vehicle down and then calmly walk away from the scene as to not draw any attention to himself. This man, though, was unaware that a group of teenagers had witnessed basically the entire thing. The shooting, the robbing, the evidence hiding, wiping the car down, literally everything. They even saw him. This group of teenagers would call the police and inform the police what they saw and where this man was going, as well as a description. The description that these teenagers would give the authorities was that this man was between 25 to 30 years old, and from what they saw, he stood about 5'8 in height. He was also wearing a crew cut shirt, but somehow, the dispatcher that was talking to the authorities gave the police the wrong description. This dispatcher informed the police that this was a black man, not a white man. This was a very extreme mess up that would allow the Zodiac Killer to walk free because the police were driving towards the direction of the teens. When they got there, the teens pointed out where this man fled towards, and the police would drive down that way, but there was no black man. There was a 35 to 40 year old white man that looked to be 5'10 in height with a crew cut shirt. But because this dispatcher somehow vitally messed up this description, even though this man 
met the description in every other way, he was a white man, and the police officer was looking for a black male. So this officer would drive right by him, not paying him any attention, not even making a mental note of what this man looked like, and just continued his search for a man that didn't exist. I do want to mention that this is the last confirmed murder that was done by the Zodiac Killer. We were able to confirm this murder because the Zodiac Killer later sent a letter to the authorities confessing to the murders. Going back to that letter, on October 13th, a newspaper would receive a letter. This letter would say, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over by Washington Street and Maple Street last night. To prove this, here is a blood-stained piece of his shirt. I am the same man who did it with the people in the North Bay area. The SF police could have caught me last night if they would have searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their motorcycles seeing who could make the most noise. The car drivers should have just parked their cars and sat there quietly waiting for me to come out of cover. School children make nice targets. I think I shall wipe out a school bus some morning. Just shoot out the front tire and then pick off the kitties as they come bouncing out. Then it was signed with a circle and a cross inside the circle. In this letter, there was a piece of blood-stained shirt to prove that he was the killer. Then, around 2 p.m. on October 20th, 1969, the Zodiac Killer would call the police station again. This time, he would request that one of the two lawyers, named Bailey or Melvin, appear on a talk show for him. Bailey was available that day, and they decided to comply with the Zodiac Killer's request and appear on the show. This is when the Zodiac would call the show a couple of times, and when they asked who was calling, he would always give them some other name than the Zodiac Killer. This is when they would tell him to call him Sam. That was not his real name, but that he would not be giving his real name to them. They would then set up some sort of meeting point where he basically would turn himself in. But of course, nobody would show up. As interesting as this was though, they would trace this call back and discover that it came from a mental hospital. And there was a patient there that was calling this show, basically claiming to be the Zodiac, but was not actually the Zodiac killer. So they kept looking for him. They interviewed over 2,500 suspects. And just like every other time, this got them nowhere. It seemed like he had stopped killing at this point. That, or he was no longer giving authorities any hints. He was playing a hunting game. Maybe he got bored that the authorities were no longer getting any closer to him, and he stopped. But then, they got another piece of mail. This one was interesting, though. It was encrypted. 
it would have 340 different characters in it. And no matter how hard they tried, and how many hands this encrypted mail would pass through, nobody could ever crack this code. They could not tell what this said, and this would sit and be ran over and over again by millions of people. But it would remain unsolved for over 50 years. Remember that letter, we're gonna get back to it later. I wanna quickly talk about the list that the authorities compiled of possible victims. But because the Zodiac never confirmed this, they are not 100% positive if they actually were victims of the Zodiac Killer. Just a reminder that I am terrible at pronouncing names, so hang in there with me. Robert Domingos, I believe is how you say that, who was 18 at the time, and Linda Edwards, who was 17. On June 4th, 1963, they would both be at the beach when they would be shot and killed. Sherry Bates, who was 18 at the time and would be stabbed to death and have her head almost separated from her body, on October 30th, 1966, at Riverside City College. Donna Lass, who was 25 years old at the time, she would actually go missing, and there would be a postcard received by three different newspapers. This is the only clue that they were possibly connected, and Donna has never been found. Catherine Johns, who was seven months pregnant at the time, she would be driving to see her mother with her 10-month-old daughter in the back seat when somebody would pull up behind her. They would begin to honk their horn and flash their lights at her, making her pull over thinking that something was wrong. This is when this man would tell her that her right rear wheel was wobbling and offered to help her with it. She would agree and the stranger would help then drive off. Later down the line, Catherine would pull off down the road and begin driving when the entire wheel would come off. This man would somehow be in the area still and see it. He would pull back over and offer to drive this woman to a gas station. She agreed and would climb into the car with her child and they would begin driving. Catherine and her 10-month-old daughter would pass a ton of gas stations with this unknown man and he would stop at none of them. She began to question this every single time, but he would just change the subject and keep on driving. This is when she knew something was wrong and would wait for him to come to a stop at an intersection. Holding onto her daughter, this woman, at seven months pregnant carrying a 10-month-old child, would jump from the car, flee, and hide in a field. This man would of course pull over and begin to walk through this field with a flashlight because it was dark at the time. He would call out to her the whole time and say how he wasn't going to hurt her and had just come back to the car. Eventually, he gave up, unable to find her, got back into his car and drove off. This woman would then walk this road and eventually hitch a ride to the police station. She would give them a statement of what happened and a description of the man that basically kidnapped her and her daughter. During this time, she would of course be looking around the office of this police station and this is when she would see a sketch of a man hanging up. 
She would inform the officer that she was speaking to that that was the exact man that had tried to kidnap her and her daughter. This sketch was the sketch of the Zodiac Killer. Once she finished her statement and was ready to head out, the officers decided to dispatch and follow her to her vehicle. They were afraid that this man, unable to find her, would then go back to her vehicle and be hiding around the area or in the vehicle itself, waiting for her to show back up. But once they got to her vehicle, they discovered that this man had gutted the car completely and lit it on fire and he was nowhere around the scene. Then they began to get letters after letters from the Zodiac Killer. Some of these were handwritten letters, other of these were greeting cards. A lot of these letters included a line that said, my name is, with a 13 character cipher next to it, taunting the authorities. They could not crack this cipher. He would go on to state a couple of things, and he was really good at talking about when he was responsible for murders or break-ins or anything like that. If he was responsible for it, he always took credit. If it was not him, he always told the authorities it was not him. One of these letters would state that the bombing that had just happened was not him. Neither was the cop that had recently died, both of which were currently being blamed on the Zodiac Killer. When speaking about the cop that died and saying that it wasn't him, he also added how there is much more glory to killing a cop than a citizen because a cop can shoot back. On some of these, he would draw a diagram of a bomb that he would use to blow up a school bus, referring once again to the fact that he wanted to kill a school bus full of children. Following this on a lot of his letters, he would write Zodiac Killer symbol dot SVG equals 10 SFPD equals zero. They would receive another letter on June 26th, 1970. This is where the Zodiac Killer would express how upset he was that people were not wearing buttons with his symbol on them. He then wrote that he had shot a man in a parked car. They believe he was referring to the murderer of Sergeant Richard Radrick. This shooting would happen one week before they would receive the letter. And this was an officer that was writing a parking ticket while sitting in his squad car when somebody who was not involved in this traffic violation would raise a gun up and shoot him in the head. He would die from his wounds. But if we go back to that other letter that stated that he was not responsible for killing the cop, I don't think this is what he was referring to. Another letter would be sent out on July 24th, 1970. This letter would talk about the disappearance and abduction of Kathleen John. He would sign it as Zodiac Killer symbol dot SVG equals 13 SFPD equals zero, with a note on the bottom of the letter saying, P.S. The MIT Diblo code concerns radius plus hashtag inches along the radian. Once again, they would receive another letter. This would have the zodiac symbol written on it in what appears to be blood. They do believe that this did come from the zodiac killer. Then a man named Paul Avery 
would receive a card on October 27, 1970. Are you shocked that this was another letter signed by the Zodiac? This letter read, Peekaboo, you are doomed. Paul would end up giving this to the newspapers and talk to the newspapers about how this letter and another letter had a lot of similarities between the Zodiac case and some unsolved cases, basically connecting the two together. But then on March 13th, 1971, the newspapers would receive another letter. This letter would inform them that the connection credit that Paul Avery said about the unsolved cases was not his own information. He would instead inform the newspaper that it was the police officers that made the connection, not Paul. They have still not been able to confirm the connection between those though. Then Paul would get another letter on March 22nd, 1971. The Zodiac Killer would inform Paul that he was responsible for the disappearance of Donna Lass, but this has not been confirmed. Then they received what they believed to be the last letter from the Zodiac Killer. This would come after they would literally hear nothing from the murderer for over three years. On January 29th, 1974, he would send a letter praising the movie The Exorcist as being a comedy. He would sign this with a new score. Me equals 37, SFPD equals zero. Now I say the final letter, but there has been more. They've not been able to confirm these as definitely coming from the Zodiac though, and that is why that last one is considered the final confirmed letter from the Zodiac killer. At this point, there were fans of the Zodiac, people who wanted to be involved in the case. A lot of people were sending false information in in order to try to get some sort of spotlight in this case. A great example is one of these letters that they received had very similar characters and they were able to translate it. It had the word kill spelled out in Old Norse. But upon further investigation, they could not match the handwriting on the two to confirm that this letter came from the Zodiac Killer. Another one of these letters was a complaint that the movie Badlands was murder glorification. This person claimed to be the Zodiac Killer and would tell the newspaper that they needed to cut out any advertisements or mentions of the show The Badlands. Once again though, they could not match this letter to the handwriting. Therefore, they were unable to confirm this came from the Zodiac Killer. This case has been opened and closed several times, you guys. They always open it and hope that fresh eyes will be able to discover something that nobody else saw, be able to discover who this killer was. But even when the notes stopped in 1974, they could never find anything new. No proof, no new murders, and no deathbed confessions. Finally, after still not getting anywhere, they decided to attempt to pull some DNA off of the letters that the Zodiac sent them. They were able to pull some off. 
and they sent it off in hopes that they would get some sort of match, whether that was a distant relative or the Zodiac himself. Because if they got a distant relative, they could follow down the family tree until they caught him. That's happened before, even after he died. But even this gave them no results. Even having a DNA sample and sending it off, they got nowhere. And so this case sat, gathering dust, becoming a horror story to tell around a campfire. Nobody knew who the Zodiac Killer was and nobody knew where he went. But finally, on December 5th, 2020, a team of private citizens would crack the code on that letter we talked about forever ago. They had a name. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.